the West Slap Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Gentlemen, we continue our 2019 summer previews with a look at the Michigan State Spartans as we start our conference play. Um, coming off Two games against Stanford and UNLV. Um, you know, hopefully we'll be 2-0. and Go back and listen to our UNLV talk and, you know, you wouldn't be surprised if we weren't. Um, but then getting into our conference play with a, a Michigan State team that, it, it, I mean, they underperformed last year, I guess. I mean, 6-6, six and six, was it, yeah, 6-6 six and six regular season or 7-5, and five, but just middling and but they were they were in every single game i think you know before we hit record you know one of you guys said you know these guys go to uh, penalty kicks every time so very interested to see you know what this michigan state team brings to the table um defensively john i mean (laughs) I'll, i'll tell you what they're bringing to the table uh the best defense the best defense in the conference uh it's it's just that simple this is the best defense in the big 10 Frankly, it would be stunning if Michigan State did not repeat as the number one scoring defense in the conference, and it would be equally stunning if they didn't improve on the number three total defense in the conference that they had last year. Um, For the third year in a row, as you alluded to, Sam, Michigan State's formula for massive defensive success will be very, very simple. You will not run the ball. Last year, the Spartans gave up a stupid 77 yards per game on the ground. <laughs> I, lo- I love that you described that as stupid because it's the only way to describe it. I mean, and for the third year in a row, they basically returned the entire core of talent that makes that possible. For starters, defensive end Kenny Willicks should be in the NFL right now except he broke his leg in their bowl game last year, so he elected to come back for his senior year. He's fully healthy now. So MSU gets to run back Willick's ridiculous 20.5 tackles for loss from last year. And next to that, you can pencil in 600 pounds and 16.5 tackles for loss of line-absorbing monster in tackles Raekwon Williams and Mike Panasek. At linebacker, Michigan State once again returns, quote, the one who isn't Patty Fisher, unquote, as Northwestern fans should think of Joe Batchy when they're considering potential Big Ten All-American middle linebackers. Um, And I think that's probably how the rest of the nation looks at those two as well. Tyreek Thompson and Antoine Simmons will man the other two spots, and they're both a little green. But let's ask Blake Gallagher what it's like to step into an outside role when the guy in the middle is one of the best guys in the nation. I'm sure these two guys are going to be just fine. The secondary has been Michigan State's point of relative weakness for the last two years. But that's more by design than anything. The now-graduated Kari Willis, who was their strong safety last year, he basically was just a fourth linebacker. He was enormous, and they played him down so much. And NU commit free safety, David Dowell, who I feel like I've been harping about he and his brother's decommittal for four years now. Um, he's back this year. He was spotty against the pass, but he was great against the run too. 
Michigan State doesn't worry about sacks either. So all things considered, the number eight pass defense in the country is just, I mean, in the conference is just fine by Michigan State. They were a mediocre pass defense and they were just fine with that. And they just may improve in this area too, because after being injured for the first half of the year, sophomore, sophomore corner Josiah Scott came on like gangbusters down the stretch. He had two picks and seven pass breakups in a handful of games. And that's just gravy for this defense. Um, and also gravy are all of the extra, extra sacks that Willicks generates that the Spartans really aren't even angling for. He just gets them because he's good enough. The way to go at Michigan State, obviously, is through the air. It's tricky, but it can be done. Aside may, from, may, may I, may I interject and read you some statistics? Yeah, go ahead. I'd like to share, because for three years now, Northwestern has beat Michigan State. Um, and with the exception of an incredible rushing game in 2016 from Justin Jackson, I, I just I just want to share Clayton Thorson's stats. So in 2016, he had a very healthy 27 of 35 attempts for 281 yards and three TDs with one pick. The next year in 2017, when there was no running game to speak of because of the aforementioned Joe Batchy, Thorson was 33 of 48 for 356 yards and two TDs. And then last year... He last year he was thirty one of forty seven for three hundred and seventy three yards and one t- and and one TD. No, it was more, it was more than that. It was um, his, it was his game of the year. Yeah, it was, like it got better every single year. It, it's and the thing is that might seem like second nature, but that's credit to Thorson. It like not a lot of teams in the Big Ten had a guy like that who could come out um, and. Again, aside from Josiah Scott, Michigan State's back four can totally be had. And if you can contain Kenny Willicks, um, they don't, they don't get sacks. Like they're totally okay with this. They do everything through the run and it totally works for them, except randomly not against Northwestern. Hunter Johnson should totally have time to throw in this game. Um, and I think. Again, if Willicks can be contained, the wideouts are going to be open here. Any attempt to establish the run is going to lead to third and long situations. Those are just wasted downs against Michigan State. Um, with all of this said, and again, we hate to harp back on this because we spent half of the the pod, that pod, trying to encourage you to listen to a different pod instead. Uh I hate to go back to this well again, but the real thing to remember here is the game that comes before this game, and that's UNLV, because Fitz and McCall are stubborn, but they aren't stupid. They know the way they're going to have to approach this Michigan State defense, and you'd better believe they're going to play the exact opposite style of football against the Run and Rebels. So just assume that those green Spartan uniforms, uh, that delicious shade of green, uh, is probably going to match the color of whatever you're going to be throwing up while you're watching us play UNLV. Uh, if we can get by that game in one piece, though, just like Scuzz said, expect us to really kick the tires on the guy we've got slinging for us now, Old Hunter, and uh, we can try to win a tight one against Michigan State through an aerial assault. It might not even be a tight one. Uh, we've done it before, and we can definitely do it again. 
it's it's so funny to me because the same like some of the same mentality that will go into that UNLV game of like oh yeah we can run against these guys we can control the game we can control the clock yada 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 that's the same mentality that I feel like a Michigan or an Ohio State would approach a game against Michigan State right that's why Michigan loses to Michigan State exactly right. and Northwestern says well, shit, guys, we ain't going to be able to run the ball. We better throw the daylights out of it. And they they plan accordingly, and look what's happened the last three years. And it's 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 stunning. It's stunning that we could see coaching performances of UNLV stacked up against uh, against Michigan State. And I'm like I'm I'm you know jumping way ahead there. But if you look at if you look at years past, right, like Michigan State. Uh, it was generally like three years ago, Michigan state was followed up. Like we, we, we put 54 points up on Michigan state. And then the following week, only 24 against Indiana. And it's, and it's that mentality of how are we going to attack this team? How are we going to go into this game? How are we going to prepare? Well, we're not going to be able to run. So we better be prepared to throw. And imagine if they did that every game, it's just, it's, it's, it's just fascinating to think about, about that perspective when you look the, the other thing like just digging through michigan state stats they're the only team in the big 10 last year that had f- less than 400 rushing attempts against them everyone else was in like the 450 to 500 range and it's because teams like nu are like well we better just start throwing the ball you almost and... have to give them credit for being so good on run defense that it makes our decision making process like if they were even like just the best team against the run in the Big Ten, there might be some discussion. It's like, I encourage everyone to go look at the stats. It's not close. They're so much better at run defense than everybody else that it's right. You just be like, well, I guess we're thrown. All right, good. And then then we can. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, last year, we also didn't have a running back at that point, right? Yeah, true. That, that, you that, you that have was, a point. pre-Bowser. But two years Bowser. ago... Two years ago, we attempted 20 rushes against Michigan State, and that was a game that went into three overtimes. Um, only 17 rushes with Justin Jackson, three with Jeremy Larkin. Thorson had another seven, but you know, however many of those were scrambles, et cetera. I mean, we basically were like, all right, we're just throwing the ball. I, I'd i like to mention, too, just because this is amusing to me, um, it, if it feels like Scuzz is filibustering here, we should remind you Michigan State was 6-6 six and six last year, and there was a reason why. <laughs> <laughs> uh well let's talk about the michigan state offense guys um i i I'll, i'm just not i don't even need to tee it up for you let's t- tell us what we're looking at yeah so last year um brian lewerke regressed in every possible way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> completion percentage total yardage yards per attempt td rate pick rate um yeah it was it was it was a bad year from a guy that was perceived to be one of the better returning QBs in, in the conference. Um, yes, he was banged up. He missed three games, uh, including including opportunities to pad his stats against Nebraska and Rutgers. Um, but, like, to me, those rate declines are really concerning for a QB in year two. At the same time, I think the bigger issue was injuries to what I consider the classic Michigan State receiver. I think Charles Rogers, Plaxico Burris, Blair White, B.J. Cunningham, and then last year felton davis and court and cody white big physical receivers that can that can outsize opposing dbs 
and win jump balls or back shoulder throws at the sideline. That has been the MSU model for years. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, throw a deep out. Um, and when they haven't had that player, so in 2016, this is the other time going into the year, I was like, oh, man, guys, I don't see anybody on this roster above 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, six, now, Felton Davis happened to emerge that year. He broke out against the Cats mid-year and had, had an incredible uh, an incredible performance. But last year, when Davis got injured and then Cody White got injured, this offense just fell apart. They only scored six points on Nebraska and six points on Oregon. Those were two horrible defenses. Now, they were without, they were without White and Davis in the middle section of the year. They got White back down the straight. They got White back down the stretch. But what's clear to me is how critical the combination of those two guys were for MSU. So early on in the first, I think, what, four games of the year when they were playing together, uh, White averaged, uh, Davis averaged 17 yards per, per catch and White 15. Those rates were both slightly better than their overall average for 2017. You would expect that based on the competition, et cetera. After White got injured, Davis's overall production increased, but his average yardage dropped down to 13 yards per attempt a pretty big drop-off now granted that was against northwestern and penn state two pretty good defenses but still like you could throw in northwestern last year for sure what's more telling to me is that when white returned then uh later in the year now davis was injured his average dropped all, all the way down to 11 yards per catch and with it like the, the michigan state offense just cratered even in games where lewerke was healthy and playing like maryland and against oregon in the bowl game the passing attack was anemic and below average. They were throwing short of the sticks. Uh, it was it was just a mess. So now the big question, like, what's going to happen in 20, 2019, right? Like, Lewerke is back. You would, again, perceive him to be, to be a, a solid, um, if not top-tier QB returning in the Big Ten. They get Cody White back. He was their top overall receiver based on production. It is still clear to me that, you know, when you look at the results last year, when, when, when I think about all, all the – every bit of Michigan state football that I've watched the last two years, like Felton Davis was a special talent Yeah, and he's, he's so good. He was incredible. He's probably the best receiver they've had in a long, long time. He's gone and they have nobody like him last year. Daryl Stewart and cam chambers played a fair amount. Neither one of them is, is a Davis type threat or body. They, they, they don't have the, the, the deep threat capabilities. Phil Steele really likes a guy named Jalen Naylor to bring to break into the lineup. He's he's a smaller, fast slot receiver type. But again, that's not the Michigan State mo. It's not how they attack in in the passing game. Uh, White is the biggest receiver I can find on their roster. He's listed at six three. There's a six six true frosh, freshman, but he's way 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 down the death chart. The good news for Michigan State is that they do return Connor Haywood. Uh, he outplayed L.J. Scott at running back last year. He's probably not a first-round draft pick, but he's he's pretty good. They have a real strong uh, freshman from spring ball named Anthony Williams, who will who will probably be in the mix as well. The other benefit they bring back the entire offensive line. Um, they're really strong uh, on the right side from center to right tackle. All five starters are upperclassmen. That being said, their line was below average in run blocking last year, like like bottom bottom third of of college football. Um. So, you know, without these receivers, they might be leaning back on a, on a running game that 
you know, isn't going to be not against strong. us. They are. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, now that being said, the O-line was excellent in pass protection. That is certainly aided by Brian Lewerke's elusiveness. Um, I don't, I don't think he's, you know, a, a great running threat or a runner. You know, he averaged like two yards per carry last year. That's kind of on, on, on par with, with Thorson in some games. Um, but he's incredible at extending plays, moving the pocket, et cetera. Um, when you consider they had some injury problems on the O-line too, like overall pretty good. The depth is good. The recruiting pedigree is really good. Like they're going to be solid there. In the end, you know, I, I think their offense is going to suffer for two reasons. The run game very, very well may be anemic again, especially against teams like Northwestern. And I think I I don't think Lewerke gets back to where he was two years ago from a production standpoint. I think he ends up somewhere in between, and and possibly closer to 2018 than they wanted. Certainly from an explosiveness standpoint, like that's the big thing to me is like when when Michigan State's been really good, they're an explosive team. They get explosion plays. I think that I think they're just missing the guys to make that happen this year, and as a result, I I, I think they're going to struggle at times when they when they can't dominate player people on the ground and i you know the nature of their coaching staff is to revert back to conservatism and say well yeah let's try to take this to pks or pray for rain and see if we can outlast uh, a michigan team in bad weather again it seems to work for them in the past but uh now very very good point um, let's run through their schedule real quick. Um, we do get them fairly early, but uh, they open the season at home against Tulsa and then Western Michigan and then Arizona State. Um, you know, the back end of that home and home uh, where they went out to the desert last year and got beat by a late field goal. Uh, then their first road game is at Northwestern. They come back for homecoming against Indiana. Then they're at Ohio State at Wisconsin. Uh, bye week, Penn State bye week, uh, Illinois at home, at Michigan, at Rutgers, and then home for Maryland. It is, you know, you guys both talked about it earlier, and I think you did it especially, Sammy. It's really weird for us to talk about Michigan State because we seem to do so well against them. And it's just so easy to forget that, like, that this team – Right, tends to play really well against Michigan amongst other teams. And that's just, it's a strange situation. The one thing that keeps sticking out to me, and, and Scuzz talked about it a lot, is Felton Davis was, I mean, for us, that game almost reminded me of the Maryland game the year before in DJ Moore, where I felt the whole game like we had the better team and there was one player on the other team keeping them in the game. And that's what it felt like with Davis last year in Michigan State. And I feel like, I mean, down the stretch, I felt like he was a titanic loss for them. And, I mean, like you said, Scuzz, they've got guys coming in, but it's hard for me to imagine that they're going to have another guy immediately stepping up who's just at the same caliber. And it's I like, mean, they don't, even, they don't even have anybody the same size. Right. So it's like this that offense is going to have such trouble. And then the weird thing is, Immediately, I just want to run down the list and look at, all right, so of every team they play, who gets great quarterback play and who doesn't? Because the teams that don't get great quarterback play, it doesn't matter how many points Michigan State scores because the other team's not scoring any points either, hence the aforementioned PK's comment that we keep talking about here. These, no one's just going to score in these games. Um, and then it's like, I don't know, like weird games like Ohio State where like, 
I mean, Justin Fields, you'd think, well, all right, is he going to be able to go over the top on this team? But it's like, you know, Michigan State, it's not like their pass defense is horrible. Their pass defense is just a stylistic choice that is meant to be mediocre. We just play it better than anybody else does. So it's just weird. Like, I, you know, you look at, like, a game like Penn State, like, who's scoring in that game? I just, I just, don't, I just don't see it. Like, eventually, you know, someone has to score points somehow. I, maybe, like, a Kenny Willicks fumble return for a touchdown and Michigan State wins, like, 7 nothing. Like, I have no idea. So, I don't know. I mean, it's just hard to look at all the good teams on their schedule and figure out how those games are going to go down. Yeah, I, like... I mean, centering in specifically on Northwestern, it's the first Big Ten game for both teams. Uh, Michigan State will be coming off three straight non-con home home games. Um, I, you know, they they lost at Arizona State last year. Maybe the refs had something to do with it. I don't know. They've got a tough Western Michigan team in Week Two. Like they're going to be pretty well tested coming into NU, but um, they also won't have had a break like we will. I just, I in, until. Until it's proven otherwise, like like it really feels to me like we can handle this squad. And then, you know, to your point, John, Indiana, Illinois, Rutgers, Maryland are going to struggle to do a lot against Michigan State. Now, you know, maybe Maryland, that's the last year of the game. Like maybe Josh Jackson is just singing by that point and, and, and they're in a good spot. But I tell you, the really fascinating one on this schedule, because at, at, at the same time of everything I just said about, about teams struggling to, to do well against against Michigan State's defense, like Ohio State and Michigan, you just those games are both on the road. You feel like they're probably going to win. At Wisconsin on Absolutely. October 12th. Yep, you got it. The only time that Michigan has played, that Michigan State has played Wisconsin in the last five years was in 2016. That was the year that State was a, a catastrophe. They went 3-9. and nine. That was also a year that Wisconsin finished, I think, close to the top 10. Wisconsin beat them 30-6 to six, uh, in Spartan Stadium. But that's a really interesting one to me because, like, there's no indication that Wisconsin's got a quarterback that's going to be able to do stuff to this Michigan State team. And you at, know at that, that point in gonna... the season, though, I mean, you, you'd think they'd have settled on something. Like, I'm sure they'll have settled on somebody, but playing playing this kind of defense with I mean, like everything Wisconsin does runs off the run. Yeah, right. Like, like it's so play action heavy, et cetera, and against a you know a Joe Batchy led run defense that's smart enough like like maybe you can get them to bite pretty heavily and and it works okay but I, I think they're going to shut down Taylor enough that it won't I, be a threat. I think they I think Michigan State's a better team in that game. I mean we'll get to Wisconsin down the road but I I totally agree with you and I think into Camp Randall. That's one of those games where again it's like we don't want to get a pull off track but we're going to find out a lot about Wisconsin over a couple-week period, but that Michigan State-Wisconsin game is going to tell us a lot about, I think, where a couple teams in the Big Ten are currently trending. But, yeah, I, I think, yeah, it's like Wisconsin and uh, and Penn State, that's going to be some real turn-back-the-clock football um, over over those two-week period because, man, those, they're, those are, you know... Two two great defenses and probably one good defense and offenses that are going to have real trouble trying to figure out how to move the ball. But, I mean, you, you look at the schedule, and very conceivably, they could only win one game on the road. Very conceivably. <sighs> yeah, no. And, I mean, like, the 
And 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 aside from Michigan, they just might get that Rutgers game too. <laughs> <laughs> I no. loved it up there. I wasn't sure where you're going to smack it down, but thank you for that. Yeah, no, I I mean you're right. I mean like they'll paste Rutgers like everybody else. I mean, although I, I I encourage everybody watch Rutgers try to play this defense. I I can't recommend it enough because like the. I mean, I mean, Rutgers is certainly in the argument for worst starting quarterback in the conference, and I I don't know how they score. Michigan's defense may outscore Rutgers' offense in that game. But, so let's say if they get Michigan State at home, maybe they get, you know, they get their revenge win there. That's three. Indiana, they, they could win. They could win ten. Let's be, I mean. I mean. They could. Like, they, I, like it's, it's it's wild to me that I don't think this Michigan State team is as good as last year's, especially on offense for the reasons I outlined. But they could win as many as three more games. Yeah, I mean, it's like they could have some goofy kind of season. I mean, I don't think they'll get to ten. I just feel like they're they're going to have some sort of offensive hiccup or something. I just a team that that is potentially potentially has that level of problems. I mean, I it just felt like for parts of that season, especially the beginning, like Felton Davis was the engine that made them go. Well, and, well they, they lost by three at Arizona State. They lost by three at Nebraska, and they lost by one in a bowl game. Right. They no, should I, have won all three of those games. I know. So it's like they're – they are. I mean, it's it's such a weird team, and it's like Lewerke's a guy who two years ago looked like Superman against us. And then just kind of didn't show up last year. So, I, you know, it's like if they get him back and he decides to be just vintage Trace McSorley out there, then they totally, I mean, it's like, is every game on their schedule winnable? Absolutely. Because they're like Michigan's kryptonite. Will they win every game on their schedule? I don't think they're even going to get close. But, you know, it certainly is a fascinating thing. Like, I... Like when you phrase it that way, Scuzz, you you get me starting to try to talk myself into like nine wins, and I just don't think I can get there. I don't know. Like I, like I know their defense is like unbelievable, but maybe I'll look like an idiot at the end of the season if this team's like ten and two. I don't know. G- given how we both reacted to that Wisconsin matchup, like eight to me feels pretty pretty solid as a prediction for Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, I feel. Like, I, I feel like you're right. I think if, given the rest of their schedule, I mean, I feel, I feel like eight does feel kind of safe. And yet going above that feels kind of weird just because of twists and turns. But I guess I'll I'll probably land with eight, but nine would not surprise me. Although, you know, Michigan State always has like a weird early season non-con that, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not even talking about going to Arizona State, but like, Last year, when they almost lost to Utah State, like they they had that early season hiccup. Um, that what, West know. Western Michigan is supposed to be pretty decent. I don't know about Tulsa. No, nah, probably not Tulsa. But uh, I mean, it'd be a situation where where Michigan State makes a couple horrible offensive blunders in the game. Western Michigan capitalizes and wins like a low scoring game. I mean, that's the formula for it. I mean, it's not impossible. But, I mean, that's the thing, that we're talking about this with Michigan State while at the same time talking about the fact that they could beat every single team on their schedule is they're just weird. I mean, what can you say when a team's got 
is that weird on offense and that good on defense. I mean, I doubt they're going to get blown out by anybody. Um, I would expect that they're going to be in most of these games. So I don't know. Yeah. Eight or nine feels about right. Well, and I, it's something I didn't, I didn't mention that I probably should have is like, it's almost statistically impossible for them to not improve on offense in terms of their points per game. I mean, last year was like a touchdown, almost a touchdown below their average from the, from the past, uh, from the prior three years. And it's the lowest on, on record, um, going back to 2012. So that that's almost certain to change, even if they're not as explosive, et cetera, just with the injuries and other situations, like they, they should be measurably better, but I just, I don't, I don't think in a way to, to change, you know, the overall outlook, like, Some, I, like I talked about before. Somewhere Lovey Smith is listening to you and saying, so tell me more about this statistically impossible not to improve. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's go ahead and put a bow on Michigan State here. Um, leave it there for tonight. I Head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlotpirates. And you can always email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field playing the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the court. John Lacombe and Eric Skazby and Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.